Sri Vishnu Sahasranam, name 839, is Anu. Before discussing this, uh, I'll make an interjectory note that several of the commentators, including Parashra Bhatta, they interpret the next several names, at least eight names, in terms of the eight principal yoga perfections called siddhis, yoga siddhi, that are inherent in Bhagavan. Yogis endeavor to get them, but they're full and complete in Bhagavan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The first three are bodily alterations or transformations by yogic power. The first one is anima, becoming smaller than the smallest. The next is laghima, becoming extremely uh, light. The next one is mahima, becoming extremely huge. And then number three is laghima, becoming extremely light. Anima, siddhi, becoming so small, Smaller than the smallest thing. You can enter into a stone, pass through any obstacle. Mahima city. You can become so big that you cover everything. This is for the yogis. They can get these siddhis to a limited extent, although it appears, because we are so limited, it appears that when a yogi has such powers, he appears to have unlimited power, but these are only what the yogis can, by severe austerities, what siddhis they can attain. They're only a small fraction of the power of Bhagavan who gives these siddhis. Lagima siddhi becoming so light, lighter than the lightest. You can ride on the sun rays right up to the and into the sun planet. Prapti city. You can get anything, anywhere, whatever you like. You can even touch the moon with one's finger. You can also enter into the senses of any other living being through a, a, a mystic mystic same vibration entering the same frequency as that of the deities controlling the senses and then you can take over the senses of others and acquire anything prakamya siddhi to have the ability to get whatever you want to experience any enjoyable object that one wants, either in this world or in the next. Through Ishita Siddhi, one can manipulate the subpotencies of Maya. See, the scientists are studying, but they're studying the energy of the Supreme Lord, but they're only concerned with gross matter. 
Even if we say gross matter, they go down to subatomic particles. But they have no idea or they don't want to look into the various other kinds of mystic powers that are there, what to speak of, the spiritual energy. But there are subpotencies of maya by which one can manipulate the subpotencies of illusion. It, as you can imagine, these powers, they're not necessarily desirable by saintly people. And they can be misused by demoniac yogis also. Vashita Siddhi, one can bring the material elements under one's control, can bring other people under one's control, control their mind, or one can keep oneself beyond the control of the three modes of nature. That's for the yogis, that's um, those who are aspiring for liberation, desire that. Kama Vasayita Siddhi. One can assume any shape that he desires. We see this commonly in Krishna's pastimes. Different demons assume different forms. Putana had a horrible witch-like form and she took the form of a beautiful woman. And different demons assume the form of birds and snakes and bulls and horses and a whirlwind and one can also get anything he wants from anywhere to the highest possible limit the maximum powers of control acquisition and enjoyment possible in this world yogis aspire for these cities certain kind of yogis. Some yogis are looking for liberation, uh, but some aspire for acquiring mystic power. By the grace of Yogeshvara, one of Krishna's names is Yogeshvara. He's the master of yoga. Yoga in this sense meaning the endeavor to attain and the attainment of mystic powers. So Krishna is the master of mystic powers and he can bestow mystic powers on others to some degree for a limited time, temporarily. But all such powers are present naturally, eternally, inherently in Krishna. That's one reason why he's called Yogeshwaras. Sometimes he gives these abilities to devotees who don't practice these siddhis. They don't practice yoga in order to attain siddhis. And they, they're not particularly interested in having them because they're only interested in serving Krishna. But sometimes Bhagavan gives these powers to his devotees who may use them in his service. As, for instance, the... Uh, Ramayan narrates how Hanuman used his power of uh, <clears throat> Mahima Siddhi and Anima Siddhi when he saw the, the, the big demon uh, Surasa 
who was trying to, when Hanuman was jumping over the ocean, the, the demon came as an obstacle to Hanuman with a very huge form. So Hanuman assumed an even bigger form as he's flying along. And then the demon became bigger, and Hanuman became bigger, and the demon became bigger, and Hanuman became bigger, and the demon became bigger, and Hanuman became bigger, and then all of a sudden Hanuman became very small and went right through the mouth and right out the understand. So these uh, can be used in the service of the Lord. Anu, name 839, Vishnu Sahasranam is Anu, which means very small. That's the general understanding. There are other meanings. Anu refers to an, a cell, just a, a biological cell, and can refer to an atom. The term is also used paramanu, which means the smallest particle possible. Uh, <clears throat> the, uh, what we nowadays call the atom, it's uh, etymological derivation is from the Greek, which means that which is the smallest. But then it was found later that there were smaller particles than the atom. So when we say paramanu, it doesn't exactly refer to the atom that we learn about at school with neutrons and electrons and protons and all this kind of thing. Uh, but it refers to that which is really the smallest material particle. And here it refers to Bhagawan's being even smaller than the smallest. And someone may come along and say, you see, your God's very small. Our God is very big. The, the God competition. People, they think we're worshipping the real God. Our God is very big. And your idea of God, you don't, you don't have such a, a big God. This We see in the biblical tradition, in the Old Testament, there were different tribes believed in different gods and they, they believed all the different gods were true and that different gods had different powers that we find also in, in the Roman and Greek tradition but it's there especially in the, in the area which uh, Mesopotamia and uh, the, the different, different tribes worship different gods and then if one tribe, or if you want to call them that, defeated another tribe, it was presumed their God is stronger, and then the uh, people from other tribes might start worshipping that God, and Baal was considered very, very powerful, a competitor of the, of the God who the Jews were supposed to worship. But some of them thought, what's the point of worshipping our God if we're always getting beaten in battle? Better to worship their God. <laughs> our God, my God is bigger than your God. Mm, yeah, he's very, very small, but he's also very, very big, and that's part of his greatness. He can be very small, he can be very big, he can be whatever he likes, and he's not constricted to what we think he should be to qualify as God. He's greater than the material energy, which has many subtleties within it, and he is also more subtle than all the subtleties within the material energy.
the Srimad Bhagavatam states, or Krishna states to Uddhava within the 11th canto of Bhagavatam, we find him saying, Sukshmanam apyaham jiva, among all subtle things, I am the jiva. <clears throat> subtle here meaning, yeah, meaning subtle, it means it's difficult to perceive, particularly here meaning very small. Uh, so the jiva, the individual soul within the body. So Krishna, this section where he says that, this is similar to the 10th chapter of Bhagavad Gita in which Krishna speaks about his vibhutis, the opulences of this world which can be recognized as representations of himself. And there are so many. Aksharanam akarosmi begins with among letters and the letter A. And there are so many, stavaranam himalayaha, among immovable objects, I am the Himalayas, Meganam Charmagendraham, among the animals, I am the king of the animals, the lion. Daityanam Chapraladas Cha, among the Daityas, the descendants of Diti, I am Pralada, and there are so many like this, uh, how we can see God in this world through all things wonderful. And a similar chapter there is, is there in the 11th canto of Bhagavatam, in which uh, Krishna gives uh, not the same list, some, some things are the same and some aren't. Here we have him saying, Sukshmanam apyaham jiva. So among all subtle things, because the soul is so subtle, uh, it can't be seen. Shveta Shvata Upanishad, Shveta Shvatara Upanishad says, Balagra Shatabhagasya, Shatada Kalpitasya Cha, Bhago Jiva Savigyaya, Sa Chanantaya Kalpate. If we, the Shveta Shvatara Upanishad says, if we are to take the tip of the hair and cut it a hundred times and then again cut one of those hundred divided parts again a hundred times, that will be the size of the jiva. And there are unlimited such jivas. Whenever there is life, there is the jiva. And Krishna is so small, he enters into the jiva also. The jiva represents him, but he enters there also. Uh, this is a question in, among the followers of the Vedic literature, or the analysts of the Vedic literature, does he enter into the jiva? I mean, uh, the, the Upanishad says he accompanies the jiva. He, does he enter into the jiva? Hmm. But at least according to some, he enters into the jiva also. And why not? He is... Uh, <coughs> Jivanam Sarvabhuteshu. He is the life of all that lives. So nothing can live without him. He's so small that he's present everywhere and permeates everything. 
including the jiva, which is so small. We generally conceive of God as being very great. How big is he? Huge, powerful. But another feature of his is being smallest of the small. That's another of his uh, qualities by which he's unlimited. Why should he only be big? Why can he not be small also? He can be smaller than the small. He can be medium size. He, he comes in this world as, as human size. Narakriti. He takes the form of a human or his, uh, his form is, well, we say it's human-like, but actually our form is God-like. God made man in his own image. It's not anthropomorphism that we imagine God to have a human form. <clears throat> or zoomorphism, we imagine God to have an animal form. But these are actual, eternal, real forms. They can be very big. Vamandev, very big. Varahadev, huge. They can be very small, Paramatma within the heart of every living being. And they can be, uh, yes, in size, of a deity we can carry, we can pick up. That's his mercy on the devotees. He becomes the size that he likes them to be. He's not limited to any size or shape or form. <clears throat> He's bigger than the biggest, he's smaller than the smallest. This is Achintya, inconceivable. Just the name Achintya just came and now we have uh, so many apparently contradictory names which <clears throat> bring out his quality of Achintya or they demonstrate some of the facets of his being Achintya, inconceivable. We may wonder how can he, or, or challenge, how can he be both big and small? The biggest thing we can imagine, he is bigger. The smallest thing we can imagine, he's smaller. The Upanishads say he's smaller than the smallest and bigger than the biggest. The yogis, they can attain anima siddhi and become so small that uh, it appears they've vanished. And that's why we, we hear stories of, for instance, there was a Swami who lived in Varanasi in the 19th century. He was known as Tailanga Swami, which simply means he was from the area of South India called, nowadays called Telangana. <clears throat> so he was just known as Tailanga Swami. And he used to walk around naked in the streets. The British would lock him up for indecency. They'd put him in prison. He wouldn't object. But then he'd be out in the streets walking again <laughs> because you can't lock up a yogi. He can, if there's a tiny little chink under the door, he'll, or he, even he can go right through the wood. He can go in between the atoms through the atoms, he can become so small. So yogis can get such power, but Krishna can become small, and is smaller than them. Baladev Vidyabhushan, he also concurs. 
that with the next six names, particularly Baladev notes this and the next five names, demonstrating the Supreme Lord's quality of achintyatva, inconceivability. Baladev says he particularly qualifies his name Anu in as much as he, Bhagavan, accompanies the jiva through the sushumna. This is, uh, sushumna is a, we, we call it a nerve or a channel, but it's, it's a yogic channel. So the yogi can pass through by controlling his breath. He can place the, the soul uh, in, in certain channels and chakras in the body. Chandogya Upanishad, Chandogya Upanishad explains that within the body there are 101 principal pranic channels. Uh, how to explain? It's not explainable in terms of modern science. Channels through which various airs pass, but these are not necessarily air like the air that blows in space. Yeah, it's, it's another form of air. The, 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 all the channels emanate from the heart. Remember that the jiva is in the heart. We'll talk a little bit about that, a little just coming up. The jiva is in the heart, and the yogi, by contr controlling his life air and controlling his concentration, his mind, can move the soul through different channels. And the, the, the main one, if he wants liberation, is uh, the sushumna, sushumna nadi. It's called channel nadi, which goes up to the top of the head. By passing through this channel, one comes out through the Brahmarandra, that's the uh, hole at the top of the head, which can burst open for the yogi if he can bring his life airs, carrying the jiva, carrying his own soul. He can carry that up to the top of his head and burst through that. And the Chandogya Upanishad says that if we can do that, you can transcend death. That's how they get liberation. All the other channels lead to repeated births, various kinds of rebirth. <clears throat> so Baladev Vidyabhushan says he, he's very subtle because he accompany, he's Anu because he accompanies the Jiva through the Sushumna. Remember, Ishvara Sarava Bhutanam Vridesha Junatishtati Brahmayan Sarava Bhutani Yantra Rudhani Mayaya the Lord is the controller of all the jivas, is situated with each individual jiva in the region of the heart, and he oversees their traveling from body to body to body. So he goes with the jiva. And when the jiva becomes qualified enough to control his life air, that he can burst out through the Brahmarandra. Uh, he is accompanied by the Supreme Lord even then. Sarvasya-chaham hridi I am within the heart of all living beings. 
Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita. Now, when we say, I live in the heart of all living beings, or Sarvastichaham Hridisanivishtaha. Well, we don't say, Krishna says, and we repeat what Krishna says. What this exactly means can be understood further from the description of the Chandogya Upanishad, which uh, there's a section called the uh, Dahara Vidya, a description of Dahara, which means the region in the heart where the soul, the jiva, and the Paramatma live. Chandogya Upanishad states, Yadidamasmin Brahmapure Daharosmin Antarakashaha. Within the sky of the heart, within, within the internal sky, Akash, Akash is sometimes translated as sky, as air, as ether. There's no real English word for it, really, but that region within the heart is described uh, by the Chandogya Upanishad. Now you can do uh, an autopsy on a dead body and look and you won't find that. It's a subtle region which can be perceived by yogis. Uh, and if they're more intelligent, they won't look for cities. They'll look to, to find Paramatma within the heart and meditate upon him. But it's described there that that is the abode of Brahma, Chandogya Upanishad describes. That is the first uh, statement of the Dahara Vidya section. That, that there is a region within the heart, Brahmapur, the abode of the spirit, uh, which is called Dahara. And several commentators, Parasha Bhatta states that this name Anu signifies that the Lord can and does enter into the infinitesimally small space known as Dahara Akasham in the hearts of all living beings. He enters into every atom, Paramanu Chayantarastam, the Supreme Lord is situated in every atom, and also into the very subtle jiva. Very difficult to perceive, that's the meaning of dharam. Very difficult to perceive. A yogi with tremendous control of the mind and the senses and the air can begin to see that dharam, that region in the heart. And when he's more advanced, he can perceive the Supreme Lord there in his Paramatma feature, not even going up to the full feature of Bhagavan. Neophyte meditators, or those, those who are not so advanced, they, they meditate on different chakras. It's actually recommended. Chakras are pranic regions within different parts of the body, uh, <clears throat> which have different specific 
potencies when men, um, which are connected to the psyche of the individual and that also affects the physical health and very much the mental health and the yogis they can meditate on the super soul present in various of these chakras muladhara chakra is at the base of the spine svadhisthana chakra in the navel area manipura chakra in the abdomen and so on and so on but really they have to find him within the heart uh, otherwise by meditating on the lord in other areas of the is not exact um, it's the, the the subtle body mapped onto the gross body by meditating on him in other areas one will not uh, progress to liberation therefore one is advised to come up and up and up and there's also this uh, to raise one's consciousness or meditation when one is able to meditate on the muladhara chakra then he can move his uh, focus then he becomes qualified to move his focus up to Swadhyasthana chakra and gradually, gradually, gradually come up. But usually meditators, even if they do this, uh, <clears throat> if they're able to do that, they don't go all the way up to finding the Paramatma in the heart. They become uh, sidetracked by the kind of siddhis they can attain and uh, it can be very dangerous also because at the subtle level uh, the subtle level there are many divine beings and there are many demoniac beings also so when one is trying to uh, practice yoga if he's not fully controlled in his mind and his senses he may become uh, subject to very attacks from very low beings and he may descend into the bestial consciousness this is especially true of those who don't take up the yoga process as prescribed by Patanjali but try to access the subtle through the left-wing tantric processes extremely dangerous they can get material power fantastic material power but it's very very dangerous they have it's uh, Faustian <laughs> Faustian bargain it's as if they're selling themselves to Satan so anyway there are so many subtle things known in the Vedic culture but generally devotees are not very concerned with all of these things they simply know Krishna he's very big controlling macroscopically and Anu he's very small controlling microscopically also as stated in Mundakopanishad Shankaracharya in commenting on this name quotes from Mundakopanishad Esha Anur Atma Chaitasa Veditavya this 
Atman. And of course, the impersonalists translate or understand Atma to mean the ultimate one self who we have to identify with as being that Atma. But the proper understanding is that Atma, we have to see according to context within the Vedic literature, Atma refers to, here refers to Paramatma, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, uh, means he's very small, means he's inscrutable. We can't fully understand him, but can be understood. Chetasavedita can be understood through the consciousness, not exactly through the mind, by purified consciousness. He can be understood. Radha Krishna Shastri, another commentator on Vishnu Sahasranam, he points out that we can see with the eye. But we can't see something which is so big. We can't see the whole universe sitting, just sitting with our eye. And we can't see anything very small either. We're very limited with what we can see by our eyes. And we'll discuss this more in the discussion of the next name. Bhagavan is beyond such limits. He can see everything which is big, everything which is so small. He has microscopic vision. He sees the big picture and the very tiny picture also. And he himself is beyond all mundane sensory perception. Radha Krishna, in uh, commenting on this name Anu, gives several um, supports, called supportive quotations from the Shruti, from the Vedas. Uh, Anoraniyam, I already said that, smallest of the smallest from Kata Upanishad and, and also Taitariya Aranyaka, also from Kata Upanishad. Nahi Sugeyam Anur Esha Dharma. This Dharma. Here we can translate Dharma as the ultimate truth. Is very subtle and not very easy to understand. Mundaka Upanishad again. Yad Anubhyonu Cha. That or he which is smaller than the small, subtler than the subtle. Aniyan hiyatarkayam anu paramarnath. Again from Kata Upanishad. So small, so subtle, beyond tarka, beyond realizing through simply discussing and trying to work everything out by philosophical understanding. Ah. <coughs> uh, Chandogya again. Esha sa atma anta hridaye aniyan viherva yavadva sarshapadva shamakadva shamaka tanduladva. This paramatma, 
who is residing in my heart, this translation of this statement from Chandogya Upanishad, is smaller than a grain of rice, smaller than a barley corn, smaller than a mustard seed, smaller than a grain of millet. Chandogya also says, Shaya Isho Anima. The very nature of that which is sat. That's a big discussion. What is the meaning of the word sat? That's also in Vishnu Sahasranam. Its very nature is very subtle. So, if you show me God. He's so big, you should be able to see him, right? No, he's so small also. Adrisha. This is the one name we've had in Vishnu Sahasranam. means not visible. <coughs> Another meaning, different meaning of Anu, can be etymologically derived, is that he is the cause of sound that permeates everywhere and is in everything. Now there's a whole science of sound which is discussed briefly, a, a short introduction to that topic is there in Srimad Bhagavatam, how there's sound at different levels that permeates the, the universe, different kinds of sound. Satyadeva Vashishta indicates that he is the primordial, primeval sound that permeates ether everywhere. Ether is that element in which only sound exists. Sound travels through ether. When we say ether, again, we mean akash. This the sound travels through Akash. And he is the cause of different sounds that emanate from different life forms. Taking this a little further, Krishnadatta Bharadvaj, he says that, well, particularly sound here refers to the Vedas. So Anu means he who reveals the Vedas. So apart from discussing these, this name in particular in terms of the eight siddhis, the first of the eight yogic perfections, uh, he says that he is the one who makes the Vedas known. Vancha kalpa tarubhyas chakripa sindhubi evacha patita nam pavane bhyo vaishnave bhyo namo namaha. Dantenidhaya chunakang padiyane patya kritvacha kakushatam etad aham bravimi he sadava sakala eva vihaya durad goranga chandra charane kurutana rada. Parivada tu jano yata tata va nanu mokarona vayam vicharayamaha Hari rasa madhiramadati mata bhuvi vilu tama natama nirvishava 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama.